Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? Imagine if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about, kind, loving, Christian conversations. It's not a sermon or a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. Churches of Christ are a diverse group spread all over the United States and across the world. It's challenging to know all the good that's happening within our brotherhood, but publications like the Christian Chronicle can help us keep abreast of what's happening. Today's conversation is with Bobby Ross Jr., the editor-in-chief at the Christian Chronicle. I think you'll find his thoughts and stories encouraging. There probably are not a lot of people that aren't familiar with the uh, with the Christian Chronicle, uh, but in case there are some folks that aren't familiar with the Christian Chronicle, I'd love for you to just share with us some about the history and the the work and the goal of the Christian Chronicle. Sure, I can talk a little bit about that. I'm not an expert on it, but sure. I, I do know that last year we celebrated our 75th anniversary. Wow! There was there was a man named Olin Hicks who had a journalism degree, but was also a minister, a Texan. And I guess, as I understand it, he at some point came across the Deseret News, which is a Mormon newspaper. And he thought, wow, we should have a, a newspaper in Churches of Christ like that to, to report news. And he, he was really interested in missions, so he wanted some outlet where, where, where there was a newspaper that could report on mission work in Churches of Christ, because that was a passion of his, and, and I think historically in Churches of Christ, we've had a lot of which may be more doctrinally focused publications, and in some cases, maybe even even warring publications to kind of take different positions <laughs> right. on issues and that kind of thing. And Olin Hicks' vision from the beginning, and one that I think we're you know seventy six years later still trying to stick to is is the Christian Chronicle has always been a newspaper and not what you might, a views paper where, it, you know, we have some opinion articles, we have, we, you know, we write some editorials, but mainly we're focused on reporting the facts. You know, a lot of that is good news about things that are happening in churches of Christ in the U.S. and around the world. And, you know, then we also try to, you know, to see Christian journalism as where we need to report on negative trends and maybe negative situations Two, with the feeling being that God can handle any negative publicity. And even, you know, you read the Bible and there's certainly a lot of facts in there that do not, that aren't positive stories, but the Bible kind of lays it out there and God can handle that. And so that I'm kind of starting to ramble, but that's kind of how we approach the Chronicle for 75 years. It's, you know, we're striving to be the best version of journalism as you know, as Christians, and, and feeling like we can share the news and share share what's happening, and in cases where it's needed, shine a, shine a light on situations that are negative or, or things where we could improve as Christians and and as a fellowship. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think that the role that you guys play is so incredibly important. You know, for those that that may not be familiar with Churches of Christ, you know, we're not a denomination, and and so there's no there's no hierarchy, there's no headquarters, there's no official anything. You know, in fact, I was talking to a lady at uh, at Brahms the other day, and we were just talking about you know I had I had been out to Red River Family Encampment uh, and spoke out there, and then she asked, you know, are all the speakers out there from your denomination? And then so that led to a whole conversation about the way churches of Christ are organized and structured and that kind of thing. And and because each congregation is independent and autonomous, uh, it, it can lead to sort of isolation and disconnect between what's going on. And so I think there is a place for, as you said, views papers, you know, so uh-huh. uh, there, there is uh-huh. a place for that to, you know, kind of um, rally the troops, so to speak, on a, on a national or international uh, level. But there's also just... Uh, and a place for reporting what's going on because man, you can really get disconnected with what's happening uh, in other places and and from a, a negative standpoint, if if what's happening in in a person's own particular congregation and in their neighborhood uh, isn't positive or isn't encouraging, maybe their congregation is shrinking and they're discouraged. It's nice to know that that's not the case everywhere, that there are positive things going on uh, in other places in the country and around the world. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing because for a fellowship of independent, you know, autonomous congregations that are all too often disconnected, I think that you guys do a good job of of helping us to see what's what's going on around the world. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's part of our our mission statement is to inform, inspire, and unite churches of Christ. So we we try really hard to reflect as wide a diversity of churches of Christ as we can. You know, going from what you might call the far right to the far left, and you know, and it it's it's challenging at times because, like you said, we're not a denomination, and you've got autonomous congregations and in in sometimes making different doctrinal decisions or different approaches on style of worship and you know sometimes you've got people saying well in my you know they're not a church of christ you shouldn't be reporting on them or you should be kicking you know almost like they want us to be the arbiter of who's in and who's out we're like do you really want four or five people in a, in a little office in Oklahoma city deciding who's, you know, who's in the book of life and who's not. So we, right. you know, it, you know, it, we, we try as hard as we can to, to focus on unity and to, and to bring together as many people as we can and report on as many as we can, you know, obviously at some point we get you, you have to make a decision and, and, and in some cases it's obvious that it's not, these people are no longer, a part of what you would consider churches of Christ. But, you know, we, that's part of what we do is try really hard to kind of, since we don't have, you know, since, since it is independent churches to kind of create that sense of community that you mentioned where somebody in a little church somewhere that's struggling, maybe there in Texas might see a little church in Iowa that's kind of found a, you know, unique ways to kind of deal with some of those same issues and maybe, feel some camaraderie there and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. So you you travel quite a bit and, and get to see a lot of places and meet a lot of people. And so I'm curious if you have a favorite place that you've traveled for a story or, or favorite, you know, uh, uh, congregation that you met with or favorite uh, city or, or state or place that you've been. 
And, and that's always a hard question for me to answer. Usually it's it's the last place I've been because sure. it's because I'm getting to the age where it's the last one I remember. <laughs> you know, I've I've just I've been blessed with the Chronicle to to you know, like you say, I've been to all fifty states to report on, on our congregations and, and members of our fellowship and, and, and as well as about 15 countries. So that's always exciting. I think one recent trip was I, I got to go to Israel for the first time and kind of travel quite a bit there just you know, to kind of see things both both in Jerusalem and in other parts of, of Israel itself as well as, as the West Bank and Bethlehem and in some of those areas, and you know, I think it, the Sea of Galilee was a place that really touched me because it, it seemed less commercialized, maybe, than some of the other touristy type biblical attractions in Israel. So, so that's a place that I guess in recent memory I, I really enjoyed the opportunity to be there and see that. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, when I when I think about the you know that part of the world, and I, I I look forward someday to being able to go over there. I've never I've never been to Israel, and I look forward to being over there. And when I think about the way that you know, often when we think about mission work, we think about us sending people somewhere else. But but we really in the United States, obviously, are the product of mission work uh, because the gospel started there and came here to where we are. Um, right. and, and when I think about the way that the gospel spread throughout the world, and I think about the first century, and one of the things that that Paul dealt with the most. Um, in in that part of the world was the Jew Gentile relationship and how really the gospel one of the main points of the gospel is that Jesus is putting together this multinational multi ethnic family and he's bringing us all into the the family of God uh, but then when I look what's happened in our own backyard over the last you know, 200 years, and the way that uh, because America was segregated because of slavery and then Jim Crow laws, and how the church unfortunately followed suit with that, um, and our congregations uh, amongst churches of Christ were divided uh, racially, uh, it bothers me to my core that that we still, to this day, uh, by and large, especially in the South, um, are are divided racially. I, I do think that there's probably some progress being made uh, in that regard. So I'm curious what you've seen as far as the racial divide that exists within Churches of Christ, if you've seen any progress being made in that area of racial reconciliation. Yeah, and that, that like you say, that is a difficult thing. I mean, I, I've seen, I think we've, we've seen a lot of very, a lot of efforts to kind of try to bring racial reconciliation and, and bridge that gap. You know, I'm thinking, you know, just we're, we're, we're 50 years, you know, 2019, you know, if you go back 50 years ago, 1969, the late 60s, there was a lot of racial, you know, the civil rights era, a lot of things happening there. So we, we've had the opportunity at the Chronicle to write about kind of some 50th anniversary milestones in recent times. And so, so you know, I know in Detroit, there were, there were churches of Christ, a black church and a white church that a couple of years ago, 2017, got together at the anniversary of the, of the Detroit race riot, and we're kind of trying to forge better ties among those churches. You've had, you know, a lot of our Christian universities have tried 
in recent years to kind of either apologize or move forward because of some of the I guess racism would be the word that was shown that was that they showed at the time when their universities only accepted white students and turned away black students. So you've had like Abilene Christian has launched a, a center on race studies and has done some th- real intentional things to to try to I guess to, to move forward with race and help bring churches together. There in the, in the Dallas area, just a month or two ago, the, the the Dallas West Church, there was a racial unity event conference that ACU sponsored, and in the church where Botham John, who was a prominent member there, and and probably a lot of your listeners may re- remember his name because he was shot by a Dallas police officer mm-hmm. last year. But they got together and they had you know they to talk about some of the tough racial issues and there were black churches and, and and white churches involved in that you know the christian chronicle were located on the campus of oklahoma christian university and, and just in recent months there's been some efforts there to apologize for some things that happened 50 years ago with students who had staged a protest on campus about some of the treatment of black students and had been arrested and expelled on, on racially tinged charges so, you know, there's been things like that, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, the Crusade for Christ, which is every two years, traditionally, the African-American churches have, have put this event together. And this year, it, it, they came in, in Fort, to Fort Worth, and there were a few white congregations that worked with the black congregations there. To, to stage that event, and I, you know, I, I talked to several people, both black and white, who thought that was that that was a great thing, and that that you know it's important for us to be Christians and worship beyond racial lines. For the for the first time in thirty years, that event had a had a white speaker, M- Monty Cox from Harding University, spoke on a Wednesday night. So I mean there. Um, there are all kinds of those type of big things that I see happening. And then then there's also, you know, places like Houston, you have churches like the Fifth Ward Church of Christ, which is a predominantly black church, and the Memorial Church of Christ, which is predominantly white, which has started kind of doing a lot of regular things together to try to foster racial reconciliation and basically just to get us to know each know each other better, and I know there are there are several churches across the country where that has happened, but but even after all that, we still mostly worship with churches that are mostly the same color as us, and I don't know if that's good or bad or why that is. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, there, there there's obviously there are attempts at progress being made, but how much progress we're actually making, probably somebody smarter than me would need to assess that. Well, and it, and it seems like, you know, every time this subject comes up, I, I think it, it feels like a negative conversation uh, because a lot of it is, you know, a lot of when we talk about the history and how we ended up where we are 
and and even talk about some of the the, the issues that still divide us. Um, I think it can be um, it can feel very negative, especially when you talk about schools and churches and communities making apologies for things that happened in the past. But I, I mean, right. that's the way healing happens. You know, it, it happens right. through uh, dealing with uh, the reality of where we've been and where we are. And I'm so incredibly thankful every time I see a university or a group or congregation making efforts in that direction. I was at uh, Fried Hardeman's lectureship last year, and and uh, their their president um, David Shannon did a great job, you know, standing up and and apologizing for the past and and looking forward to the future and and working towards some reconciliation. And it's just it's it's wonderful and refreshing because I think that that's. Uh, the spirit of Christ is in is in all of those things, and and bringing the brotherhood uh, together, bringing people together, and and I think a lot of it too uh, is just individuals. You know, it's it's just us as individual Christians listening to each other, talking to each other, um, and not talking past each other. I think that's what happens a lot is. Uh, we post things online, or we we just spout our, our opinions, and we don't listen to each other and and love each other. That's what it all comes down to, I think. Uh huh. So you know, uh, let's talk about uh, congregations that are reaching out to their community. You know, that that could have a racial element too, I guess. But 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 even if we talk about you know benevolent work, uh, charity work, or or even just evangelistically, people that are congregations that are doing a good job of of reaching their community, what what have you seen that that encourages you across the across the country or even internationally as far as congregations that are being creative and doing good work at at reaching people in their community? That is a real good question. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure that I that I have a lot of, of great answers. I, you know, one thing we we do really great in Churches of Christ is disaster relief. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed that, but if, if there's a hurricane, if there's a tornado, it's, For sure. you know, pretty much, you know, when something negative happens in your community, the, the churches of Christ are going to be there with big boxes of food and sending crews to help rebuild. So I think, you know, that, that disaster relief is one area where, you know, they're, I'm always inspired and encouraged by how churches of Christ respond. Um, other examples, I think, you know, there there are. I hear about more more efforts by churches to reach, to to serve maybe the homeless and 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 the poor, and you know, a lot of churches have have expanded their food pantries in recent years, and and are and, and are feeding more hungry people. I know there are a lot of, you know, churches with the border situation, and I know there's, you know, we can get into a lot of politics, but as far as, you know, poor people in times of need, I know there are a lot of Christians working to serve, you know, just the humanitarian need in those situations. And remind me of, I'm not sure I'm answering your question. Yeah, I no, that is that that is answering just congregations that are reaching their community and and different things that that different congregations are doing. I think that sometimes, um, you know, we all get to a point where where we wonder, you know, what more could we do? And sometimes when we hear stories about other congregations that that are doing 
interesting things or creative things to reach people in their community. It's inspiring. And then we may not repeat exactly what they're doing, but it gives us an idea. And we think, oh, well, there's this group of people in my community and maybe we can reach out to them in this way. And so, you know, I think there's all kinds of interesting things that are going on uh, across the country that uh, people might be able to, if not emulate, at least uh, be inspired by. Oh, okay. Well, here, here's another recent example that comes to mind is the the Mount Juliet Church of Christ in the Nashville area. Um, they started on Mother's Day. They have a, what's called a single mother car care clinic, and basically they just they 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 let single mothers sign up to come in and have 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 their cars. Basically, you know, have have men in the church who know something about mechanics just kind of give it you know look it over and fix anything that's wrong with it and clean it out and i think as part of that they have activities for the kids and kind of some things like massages for the mothers and just kind of they make that a real great experience for the mother you know they do something that's practical but they also kind of kind of treat her like a queen for the, for a day and you know that's you know, to me, just an example of a church that's trying to think of creative ways to to show its love for people in the community who maybe don't always have a lot of the help they need, like a, a single mother situation like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that idea. And I, and I love, again, I mean, if people just look at an idea like that and then ask themselves, you know, who's in my community? I mean, you mentioned uh, the border situation and there are so right. many, you know, little congregations that are down in South Texas and different places, you know, where there, you know, there, there are political issues and there's all kinds of issues that are just layers on, on layers on layers. But at the same time, there, it's very simple sometimes that there are people right in front of us that need to be loved and need to be cared for and need to be taken care of. You know, that there are, there are issues that are way above any of our pay grade, uh, but there are, there are people uh, that need to be loved and, and they're right there in front of us. And whether it's a single mom or it's somebody uh, who immigrated to this country or somebody who's a refugee uh, or somebody right. who's poor or somebody who who's just lonely. You know, I, I live in a, in a community uh, that is very wealthy, you know, and so our, our issues in, in my immediate area around our church building are not, you know, they're not usually the poverty stricken. We have to drive 30 or 40 miles before we uh-huh. can minister to somebody uh, who's living in poverty, typically, right. uh, but uh, but there but are you, issues here. But you probably do have an alcoholic or somebody exactly. addicted to exactly. prescription drugs or looking at porn every day, and you know that's a you know I'm thinking like celebrate recovery. Exactly. There's a lot of churches that have addiction have used addiction recovery type ministries to, to you know to both help people deal with addiction and introduce them introduce them to the Lord. So I mean, like you say, there's. You, you you may not have the same issues that they have at the border or in a a poor community, but I mean there are, there's unlimited ways that you can serve, and I know your church does. Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's exactly I think what every every individual Christian, every congregation needs to do is is look for what's going on in their own community. Uh, you know, we do a divorce care class that's been really effective at at reaching some folks in our community. So everybody just has to look and and see what what they can do in their community. But it's it's inspiring to see other other congregations and other areas doing different things to to reach their community. Let them know that 
that they're loved and then also share the love of, of Jesus with them. Exactly. So what about yeah, internationally? And, and you've touched on that a little bit already, but uh, what are some of the things that you've seen Churches of Christ uh, doing internationally or things that are going on maybe with mission work you know, that originates in the United States, but that is touching people uh, overseas. Uh, what are some of the things on the worldwide scene that uh, that might be encouraging for us? Okay. Well, Eric Trigestad, who works with me, is, is our international expert and has been to 70-plus countries with the Chronicle, so he would be a much better person for this question. But let me—maybe let me, I'll just tell you a little bit about the trip to Croatia I yeah. just took— because I mean, there's I think there's some examples of things there. I mean, this this is a a former communist. I guess Croatia used to be part of communist Yugoslavia. It's a predominantly Catholic country. The people there are, you know, Catholic at least culturally, and 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 maybe a lot of them aren't real religious, but they still have a lot of cultural and family ties to Catholicism, so churches of Christ encounter, I'm trying to think of the word, encounter some resistance just because, you know, a lot of those people will see them as a cult or a, a sect, and there, there's suspicion of non-Catholic Christianity there, so that, yeah. that that's something they have to overcome, but I mean, you know, it was inspiring to see you know, there was a youth group from the Crestview Church of Christ in Waco, Texas, where my son is the youth minister. So that's how I got connected with that trip. But they, they, they have what they call champs camps, which is kind of maybe it's a little bit like vacation Bible school and a little bit like day camp. But they kind of mix fun activities with some Bible lessons and that type of thing. And, and you know, they had two locations in Zagreb where we were. With I think I don't have the numbers in front of me, but over a hundred Croatian children and teens were involved in this, and so they're they're forming some relationships there and introducing them to Jesus and into the church in that way. So that that was inspiring. At the same time, I think let's start talking, which which is an international ministry that kind of uses kind of people wanting to learn English in places like Croatia uses that as a way to introduce people to the Bible. That That's thriving and having some success in Croatia. At, at the same time, Eastern European Mission has somehow worked out a deal. I think the ministry's called Christ for Croatia, but that ministry based in Croatia, along with Eastern European Mission, somehow talked to the Catholic bishops who... who given that Catholicism stronghold there have a lot of power, but somehow they got the Catholic bishops on board to talk to the public schools about putting Bibles in the public schools. Wow. So just in the last several months, they've been able to distribute 100,000 free Bibles into the public schools there wow, in, that's awesome. in Croatia. So, I mean, that's just one little European country that maybe you don't hear a lot about, and that's just one example of some of the things that are happening with the church there. That's fantastic. That is awesome. Well, Bobby, I really appreciate all the work that you do. And as somebody who 
probably sees a, a cross-section of Churches of Christ more than the rest of us. Um, I'm curious if you could give one piece of advice to the typical congregation uh, or the typical Christian within a congregation. Uh, what might be Bobby's one, one piece of advice you might give to, to the typical Church of Christ uh, anywhere in the country? I appreciate you asking because this has been on my heart for quite a while. Please update your websites more than once every 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I go. Uh, I would encourage churches to make sure that their websites are up to date, that they have, you know, they have their address, they have a phone number, they have their worship times. You know, a lot of, I'll go to a lot of websites that lack some or all of that information and also may have like places on the website for a calendar where they haven't updated the calendar in years. And and I think, you know, I think most people in this era, the first place they're going to go before they visit your church is going to go to your website. And if your website looks like there's been nobody's been there in years, then I think that's going to hurt your chances of people actually showing up at your church. I want to thank my church family, the Church of Christ on McDermott Road, and our editor, Travis Pauly, for making this podcast possible. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I also want to invite you to check out Logos Bible Software, who has partnered with us to give our listeners a great discount. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash Logos, L-O-G-O-S. I think you'll love the software and you'll get a great discount by using that link. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.